Pastor, amen. All right, well, it's a joy to be here. Thank God I made it through Atlanta, amen. I've been preaching our church a pretty good while. I can move this, right, preaching? I, I can move this? Yeah, I've been preaching to my church last year. We were going through about preaching on the second coming, and I assured them we were not going through the tribulation, amen. And then last year I came up here and went through Atlanta and got in a wreck in Atlanta, and I had to go back home and change all that. I think we are going through the tribulation, amen. Matter of fact, I think I went through it last year, amen. And so I had to go back and change all that, praise the Lord. So I had to change my doctrine on that. I assure you, you will go through the, a tribulation, not the tribulation, amen. But it's a joy to be here. Thank you so much. I kind of feel like those two winos that was sleeping under the bridge and one of them got up in the middle of the night and stumbled down to the water. And as he looked in the water, he saw the moon and he hollered back up to his friend up the hill. He said, hey, Joe. He said, come down here a minute. And Joe walked down there. He said, isn't that the moon right there? He said, that's it. That's it, brother. He said, how in the world did we get up here? I kind of feel like that fellow tonight. Amen. It's a real joy to be here. Amen. Thank you. Great preaching last night. Great preaching last night. Thank you all for the great preaching last night and great preaching today. I want to just take a few minutes to commend Brother Moore. Brother Moore, I think, told his age this afternoon, and yet he has sat through the services all day. Amen. And Brother Moore, I commend you for that. Amen. I'm 77, and I was thinking about going home, and I had to preach tonight. Amen. So God bless you for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Bible said, those that endure to the end shall be saved. Amen. And so God bless you, preacher. It's so good to hear you preach today. All right, I want you, this is a little bit unusual. At least I think it's unusual that I preach on this text tonight. Uh, the preacher had mentioned this afternoon that Brother Leland would probably go first. And uh, I thought, my Lord, I hate following that. The only reason I want Brother Leland to go first is he would just take it out the roof and we could just shout it out and go home. Amen. And then he put me, put me up before Brother Leland, so amen. So the best is yet to come, I assure you of that. So if y'all just hang in there, you'll hear some good preaching in a little bit, amen. Praise the Lord. And then this Mayfield Creek crowd, they done heard everything I preached four times, amen. So y'all just act like y'all never heard it, amen. Praise the Lord. Could I get an amen out there? All right, let's stand and read our Bible, amen. Preacher, thank you so much for letting me come. Thank you for the nice room, amen. I really mean that. Brother Randy was saying something about the motel last night. Very nice, very neat. Matter of fact, I walked in the motel yesterday. I said, man, y'all have got this place spotless, amen. And that's all that really matters, amen. So it was very, very, very nice over there. And then, of course, we'll go back there tonight, amen, and spend the night and leave in the morning, amen. All right, let's look in John chapter number 13. John 13, I'll read a verse and then drop down to the end of the chapter. John chapter 13, let's begin reading, read one verse in verse one, and then we'll drop down to the latter part of the chapter. And I want to give you just a couple of thoughts tonight on the subject, amen, and uh, that I'm going to preach on, all right? Verse, verse number one, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour uh, knew that his hour that he had should knew that his hour had come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Then we'll drop down to verse thirty-five. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered, Whither thou goest? I whither thou goest? Uh, whither thou go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can, I, why can I not follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. 
Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Now in verse number 36 and verse 37, the Bible said, Whither thou go, thou canst not follow me now. Then he said, But thou shalt follow me afterwards. Then the Bible says, Peter said unto him, why can, I, why can I not follow thee now? And so Peter was talking about following the leadership of the Lord. And I want to try to preach on that thought tonight. Uh, learning to lead. Learning to lead. Did y'all get that? Learning. I said learning, not learned. Learning to lead. And so you, you pray for me as I try to bring you a few thoughts about that tonight. Amen. Father, thank you for letting us come and be in the meeting. Thank you for all the good preaching and good singing and good spirit and good fellowship we've enjoyed and the nice place to stay and all that you've done for us. Lord, we're so blessed. I just as a matter of fact, not long ago told you, Lord, I live too good. And I thank you for how good you've been to us. Help us now, I pray, to say something tonight to uh, Lord would find lodging in hearts and bring forth fruit that would glorify you in days to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated, amen. This building is bigger than the town I'm in, amen. My soul, amen. Uh, as I said, learning to lead. There are some truths that we will need to know to learn to lead people. And I know many of us tonight in this building, as a matter of fact, the preacher, one of the preachers this afternoon said something about young preachers in the building. And I would say to you young preachers, amen, being a little bit older now, and the truth of the matter is, God called you into the ministry, you will be a leader. So one day you're going to be leading people and there's some things you would need to know in order to lead people, amen. I've been trying to do that now for about 41 years in one little town trying to learn how to lead people. So there are some truths I saw in this about learning how to lead people, amen. I used to work for the government. I worked for the Charleston Naval Shipyard and I went through the apprenticeship program and I, I was in the pipe fitter section of that. And of course, when they invest in you as an apprenticeship, after that, you finish your apprenticeship they want you to go in, in management. They want to train you to be in management. Of course, uh, uh, the leadership in the shipyard, the man was called the leading man. He was called a leading man. But I never was interested in that. I would go to work, do my job. I didn't have the responsibility only to take care of my job. And so they put you in a leadership position. Then you have not only what you got to do, but you've got to help others and oversee what they're doing. I was not interested in that. And the government paid good money. And so I turned that down, but some years later, God, not the government, but God called me to be in a leadership position. And matter of fact, the money wasn't as much. Somebody help me right there. The government was going to give me a lot of money, but God said, no, if you're going to lead, you're going to have to take a cut in pay, amen. And so I stepped out of that position and really did take a cut in pay uh, back then to learn to lead people, amen. So here's my thought. Peter, here, you know the story. And all the other disciples, we see that story about them following the Lord, amen. From, from that, let me give you a, a, just a group of P's for the preacher, amen, or for those in leadership position. Get, I get right into the message. First of all, you're going to have to learn to live with people that are less dedicated than you are. If you're going to lead people, you'll have people that's less dedicated to the cause than you are. Our Lord had that. 
The Lord was completely dedicated to what God had called him to do. But he was leading people that were not as dedicated as he was. And that's true in leadership. You'll have to lead people that's not going to be as dedicated as you're called, as you are. How hard to get people dedicated. Amen. It's hard to keep people dedicated. Are you listening to me? Hey, even though they'll promise you, look what Peter said. Peter said, I'll tell you what, Lord, I want to follow you and I will lay down my life for you. So Peter planned to be dedicated, but I'm going to tell you what, it's hard to get people dedicated, hard to keep people dedicated. Matter of fact, that's true with Moses. Moses led two million people out of Egypt. You know how many got to the promised land? Two. Now put them statistics in your church. Somebody help me. He got two million people in typology, we would say saved, but only two got to the promised land. And so my point there is simply, it's hard to get people dedicated. Matter of fact, Moses thought he was having a revival. When two million people uh, come out of Egypt, he said, hallelujah. And a matter of fact, they come out singing. They come out singing, Pharaoh and the rider is dead. Amen. Pharaoh and the rider is dead, yeah. The Lord, 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 he's a man of war. Somebody help me. But not long after they got over, not, they were not singing, they were sighing. So it didn't take long after he got them out for them to go. He thought he was having a revival. That revival got, those people that come out in that revival made Moses want to quit. Does anybody listen? Hey, the big revival that he had, not too long after that, they were murmuring about the manna. They were murmuring about the water. Amen. So I'm telling you, if you can learn to lead people, you're going to have to deal with people less dedicated than you are. Amen. Paul had to deal with that with John Mark. Paul had to deal with that with Demas. Matter of fact, 2 Timothy 4, 16, he said, no man stood with me. So if you're going to lead, you're going to have to, be, you're going to, have to deal with people that's going to be less dedicated than you are. Somebody help me. I do know something they learned in the wilderness. They went round for 40 years, round and round and round. And when they got on the promised land, amen, Joshua woke up and said, get up in the morning and we're going to go round the city. We could go back in in the morning. We could go round the city. I think they got uh, learning 40 years how to go round and round. Amen. So some good things did come out of that. Amen. Are y'all listening? Point number one, and I'm hurrying, really. You have to learn to live with people less dedicated. Number two, position doesn't always indicate dedication. Amen. Who is he talking to? He's talking to Peter, James, John, and all the disciples. These men had a position with the Lord, but that does not always mean position is going to be dedicated. Are y'all listening to me? The Bible said all of them forsook him. Not just Peter, but all of them forsook him. These were men of position. By the way, dedication requires, amen, to, dedication is a requirement to hold a position. Amen. amen and amen. Hey, don't put people in position, amen, just to make them dedicated. They gotta be dedicated before you put them in position. And I found this to be true. It's a whole lot easier to put them in than it is to take them out. So you better be careful when you're leading who you put in position. The Lord put Peter, James, and John and the disciples in a leadership position. But I'm simply telling you, hey, just that didn't mean they were dedicated. Amen and amen. By the way, rules don't make you dedicated. And I think we ought to have some rules. Amen. We got so many rules in our church, I'm not sure I'm keeping them all. 
Matter of fact, I went in the other day and tried to get in the choir and they said the split in my pants was too long. Is anybody listening? Hey, position requires dedication. Amen. Rules will not make you dedicated. Matter of fact, a lot of times rules will make you rebellious. Hey, hey, rules without a relationship creates rebellion. Amen and amen. God is not looking for a church that's got a bunch of rules. God is looking for a church that's got a, a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Amen. And if you get related to him and hey, and you fellowship with him, you won't mind abiding by some standards. Somebody help me, church. We do expect more people of position. We ought to expect more people of position. Amen and amen. Matter of fact, if you had a job and a, and a man makes this man a foreman and the foreman said, boss, I'll take the foreman job, but I, I always miss one day a week. I probably wouldn't make him a foreman. Amen and amen. I probably wouldn't put a Sunday school teacher in that says, I won't be here one Sunday a month or I won't be here Wednesday night. Is anybody listening? Amen. I like a lot of feedback. Now, y'all, even if you don't agree, just say amen. I'm just saying we expect, hey, we do expect people a position to be dedicated. They ought to be held to a higher standard. Listen, listen to the young preachers. I can't preach to you old preachers because y'all, y'all already know more than I know about this subject. But I'm, I'm saying to us young preachers, listen to me. Hey, you're going to be expecting more out of you than it is the average young person in the church. If you say you called to preach, amen, we're going to expect more out of you. Because you are the example. And that ain't just for young preachers, that's for old preachers. I think we're really dropping the ball. I didn't come here to talk on that tonight. I think a lot of times, even in our day, the older preachers are, have backed up on what they believe. And hey, I expect more out of them than I do out of the average church member. Amen and amen. So a position doesn't always indicate that people are dedicated. We see that in, in these disciples, amen. Hey, notice this, number, number four, number, number three, the lack of dedication did not prevent him from being dedicated. Because they wasn't dedicated, it didn't stop Jesus from being dedicated. Amen. Jesus cleansed the temple. Here's what Jesus said, the zeal of thy house has eaten me up. And I'm going to tell you what, when you're in leadership position in the church, hey, I'm telling you the zeal for God's house ought to eat us up. Most people don't even get a nibble. And yet God said it eat him up, amen. Amen and amen. He said what? He said in Isaiah 50 verse 7, he set his face like a flint. He was dedicated to the cause for which he came. Amen and Amen. Hey, all the negatives, when you believe something, you have convictions about things. And I'm telling you, all the negativity and all the pressure that is on you, if you aren't careful as a leader, you'll cave in. Amen and amen. I remember when I, I, remember when I first got called to preach and, and, and God, the preacher asked me to preach in a fellowship meeting. I was just called to preach. And I'll be honest with you, I had a good many convictions about some things. Not that made me spiritual, but I had to, and I got up and preached on all of them. I wasn't a pastor then. Somebody help me. And then I found out not everybody was excited about my convictions as I was. But I'm going to tell you what, we can't let, hey, we can't let the pressure of what comes against us cause us to cave in to what others believe. Amen and amen. 
And I'll get to that point in a minute. I, I don't, I'll get to that point in a minute, amen, about that, having a right spirit, amen. Nobody cares how much you know till they know how much you care. Amen. We got to let people know we care. I really believe this. I really believe this. I think a lot of times it's not so much what we preach. It's how we, the attitude we preach it in. Amen, amen and amen. But I remind you, Jesus, the Bible said Jesus went to the temple and cleansed the temple. I'm talking about lovely Lord Jesus went to the temple and the Bible said he saw him gambling and trading in the temple. And the Bible said, the Bible said he went and made a whip. He didn't just charge right in and start whipping them. The Bible said he went and made a whip. I thought about that a minute. I said, you know what? That means it took a little time. So he went and made a whip. I don't know how long that took, but I'm, I'm sure you, the whole time he was making it, he was thinking about it. I wish they'd get that straight so I wouldn't have to pull this whip out. Is anybody listening? I'm not used to being fenced in like this. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest. I learned some. I learned something from that. Sometimes it's better not to charge right in. I've had situations in 41 years in our church that I knew needed to be corrected, and I'd go whip up a message. Amen. But then I prayed about it. Well, I'm, honestly, I prayed about it, and I have really seen in things that we had to deal with that sometimes God took care of it, and I never had to preach against it. And then I've seen other times it didn't get, didn't get taken care of and I've had to preach the message. So my point is simply this. My point is simply this. Their lack of dedication didn't prevent him from being dedicated. Amen, amen and amen. We can't throw in the towel. I think that's a lot of what's happened. Even among the independent movement, I think a lot of the pressures of what's come against the church, we have given in to that. And I'm not saying I'm the perfect preacher. I'm not even implying that. But I'm telling you, we gotta just stand for what we stand for. Amen. And let's don't throw in the towel. Amen. Let's don't throw in the towel and let it just get loose and packed. Hey, let's stand for what we believe. Amen and amen. I'm just going to dance with the one who brung me. I started off in this part, amen. I started off in this King James Bible. I started off in convictions and standards. I just want to stay with what got me here, amen. I don't want to throw in the towel. I don't want to be belligerent. I don't want to be obnoxious. I just want to stand for what the Bible said. And young preachers, I'm telling you now, that you're the younger generation, and I never thought I'd get to the place to stay this, Brother Leland. As a little bit older preacher now, I'm telling you, y'all have got the pressure on y'all. Because y'all are dealing with things that I'm going to tell you what, a lot of the older preachers never had to deal with. And y'all have really, I'm, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to, y'all go, I mean, a, a boy is born a boy and now he wants to be a girl. We never had to deal with that 40 years ago. Are y'all listening? You go, you're going to deal with some stuff we had to deal with. Amen and Amen. So my point is simply this. Because people don't get dedicated, don't let that stop you from being dedicated. And I think I can really say this to the younger preachers. Hey, when you say you're called to preach, even among your peers, even among your peers, some of them ain't gonna understand that. But you're gonna have to stand. Hey, don't let, their, don't let them maybe shunning you prevent you from standing for God. Oh, I pray I could say something to help you tonight, amen. amen. And even us, even us older pastors, hey, we get in our churches, I'm t not everybody, not everybody is dedicated as you are, pastor. And well, I'm gonna tell you what, it can't stop us from being dedicated. 
Amen and amen. amen. So number, let me give you this, number four. In spite of their lack of dedication, he still had passion for them. Get this now. Look in verse one. And the Bible said, having loved his own which in the world, he loved them to the end. Even though, even though they did not do all that he thought they ought to do, the Bible said he still loved them, amen. I'm gonna tell you, you better get that, church. We better get that, amen. Look in verse 35, the Bible said, by this shall all men know you, my disciples, if you have loved one for another. Amen. I, 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 I think I can say this, Brother Randy, and I know it's not true, but I think I grew up in a generation of preachers when we went to camp meeting, I'm telling you, it was rough, friend. And it was almost, I, I used to go, sometimes I'd be scared not to do it. They'd preach on something. I said, I better do that. I'd be scared not to. I've heard preachers preach. I had a pastor, honest to God. I had a pastor. He's about 260 pounds, about six foot two. He'd come down the aisle. He would be beaten on the communion table and his watch would flip over and, and bust the back of his head and blood be flying everywhere. He said, get right with God. I said, I will, I will. Blood's flying everywhere. Somebody help me. My point is, hey, he still loved them. Whether they did or whether they didn't. So we better love them. I had a dear preacher friend of mine, an older preacher who's been in heaven for many years. Matter of fact, he was sort of a mentor to me. He pastored one of the, at that time, the biggest independent Baptist church in Charleston. And I went to see him one day just to pay him a visit because he was getting a little bit up in age. And as a young preacher, I went to see him and I just went to have prayer with him and talk with him and, and let him give me some insight. And when I got there, I, I didn't go for what I got. He said, preacher, he said, I young, had a young preacher in my church, left my church, come back to the church, took people out of my church, split my church. And he said, I told him, I told him when I died, don't even come to my funeral. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about a veteran preacher now. And so it went, and some people went to his funeral and the family went to him and said, Daddy said when he died, we, we're informed to tell you to leave the funeral. Now here's my point. This man passed for probably 40 years and died with a bitter spirit. I'm gonna tell you what, the pressures of life, the pressures of conviction and the pressures of passing the church, sometimes if you aren't careful, will cause you to get bitter. But if you get bitter, hey, you're the loser. Amen, amen and Amen. Matter of fact, hey, he calls it a root of business. A root, you can't see it. Right. Amen. Amen. Everything might look good on the surface, but that root is there. Right. I read this. Sometimes the root is larger than the plant. Yeah. Is anybody listening? Yeah. I found this out about a root. A root can't be fixed with a lawnmower. We had some nut grass growing in our yard and we tried to... We try to keep our yard looking good. I went up there and saw that nut grass. But I'm telling you, every time they cut the grass, it just blended in like all the rest of it. But I'm telling you, when the grass started growing again, it's pretty evident that nut grass didn't fit in and make it be and beautify it. You know why? Because we had to dig it up by the roots. And I'm telling you, bitterness is a root. And you got to get bitterness out your life. And I'm telling you now, in leadership, if you don't stay in tune with God, you will get bitter. Because people are not going to be as dedicated as you want them to be. And people are not going to do in their position what you put them there to do. Amen. The amens are weak, but the Bible's true. Over in Matthew, over in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter number 26, I believe it is, the Bible said Jesus was praying in Matthew 26, verse 39, and he went a little farther and fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, 
Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. When Jesus was praying, he was praying about the will of God. Look in verse 40. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto, unto Peter, What could thou not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I'm going to tell you what, when you pray, you have to pray for the will of God, but you've got to pray for those that are weak in the faith. And then notice this, look in verse 48, if you've got your Bible. He said, now he that betrayed him gave him a sign saying, whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith came, he forth, came, came forth Jesus and said, hail master, and he kissed him. And Jesus looked at him, Judas, and called him friend. I'm gonna tell you what, only prayer can do that. When you're leading people and they're not as dedicated and their position is failing because of their lack of dedication, you're going to have to pray. And I found this to be true. Prayer may not change them, but it'll keep them from changing you. Prayer may not convert them, but they won't convert you. So when you're in leadership, you're going to have to learn to pray. I say that under my own, under conviction, but I'm telling you, I tell you, I, there's been things in the ministry in 41 years that Brother Moore would th feel like I'm a novice, amen. But I'm telling you, if you don't learn to pray, you'll take it out on them. But if you learn to pray, you won't take it out on them, you'll take them to God. Somebody help me, amen. Amen and amen. I'm just simply saying, hey, we gotta learn to pray. I want to tell you this again. I didn't say I've learned. I said I'm learning. I'm still learning. Amen and amen. It's prayer or bitterness. The pastor mentioned something about bitterness today. Hey, if you, don't get, if you don't get rid of bitterness, you won't get better. Amen and amen. Matter of fact, if you let bitterness linger, you're going to get worse. And it's not going to affect the church. It's not going to affect them. It's going to affect you. Nothing, hey, could I say this tonight? There's nothing, there's nothing probably worse than a bitter pastor. You know what? God, let me see how I can put this now. God has slayed a lot of sheep to make one shepherd. God has used a shepherd and in the process of making him a shepherd, a lot of sheep have got slaughtered. Now, if y'all didn't get that, that's the best thing I got. In order to make a man a shepherd, he's probably slayed a few sheep. When I go back over 40 years, of 41 years of pastoring, I'm telling you, there are some things that I could have handled different and perhaps even spared some sheep. Are right, you listening? God is teaching us to learn how to lead. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Amen. Let me give you this. Let me give you this and I'm about through. The lack of dedication did not mean his project wasn't the will of God. What Jesus' project was was the cross. And I'm gonna tell you with all that I've just talked about, hey, the lack, of, the lack of dedication, the leaders that were not in position that didn't fulfill what they were supposed to and all the points I made thus far, listen to me, his project was the will of God. He come to go to Calvary. Matter of fact, Peter rebuked him one time. Jesus was telling him, I've got to come and go to Jerusalem and die. And Peter said, not so, Lord. One of his leading men said, not so, Lord. That's not the will of God. And here's what Jesus said. Get behind me, Satan. Is anybody listening? 
I'm just simply saying, hey, you know what? Hey, we have, God gives us things to do. Amen. And just because people don't get dedicated, just because they don't write, do right in their, in their position, it doesn't prevent us from doing, being what we ought to be. Hey, listen to me. Our project is the will of God. Amen and amen. I remember Brother Jeff Cronz out of our church was called to go to Bulgaria. And I'm telling you, his family did not understand that. You're going to put these children on a plane and go to that part of the world in a, in a communist city? I, I, and I went there and preached in that city? You talk about depressing. It was a depressing. This is where the communist party made their headquarters in the city he was in. Now, and, and his family said, his family said, you're going to take those young kids and take them to a farm. They didn't understand his project. Brother Lance Neal, I remember him preaching about the Sunday before he went in a meeting we was in. And he said, I would only do this for Jesus. Let's get on that plane and go to Papua New Guinea and step off on a continent that I'm going to tell you what, knows nothing about God. I would only do this for Jesus. And his family did not understand. His children did not understand. Are oh, y'all listening to me? But it didn't mean his project wasn't the will of God. Amen. Amen. And matter of fact, I, I didn't come to brag on anything. I just said, he went and Brother Andrews, I was talking to Brother Andrews, he's here tonight and his wife, he went to Papua New Guinea and preached the gospel and thousands got saved. They, they went to one village, was a Catholic village. When they left, it was a Baptist village. I'm gonna tell you, it was the will of God. And a lot of people didn't understand. But amen, just because people are not dedicated, it don't mean your project ain't the will of God. Is anybody listening? Y'all help me. I, I, I remember when I went to St. Stephen, the very man that I worked with on the job that got me to come to St. Stephen and, and, and God started blessing and people started being saved and we built a building and we was gonna dedicate it on Sunday and that Sunday come around and he knocked on my door and I opened the door and he stood there with the keys dangling them in my face and said, I won't be there because God had blessed and he got jealous. Somebody help me. I know this ain't camp meeting preaching. I'm just trying to tell you, I'm just trying to tell you, just because people ain't dedicated don't mean your project ain't the will of God. Hey, by the way, let me say this. God gave it to you. God didn't give it to your God gave it to you. He didn't give it to your church. And sometimes we got it from God. They got to get it from us. I'd whole rather, I'd whole rather, lot rather hear from God than hear from me. So they have to go on our faith. When your pastor steps out and says, this is the will of God. Well, you just trust in your pastor because you didn't hear that from God. So you probably got more faith than we got. I wish I could get out of this cage right now. I'm just simply saying, hey, your project, whether people go, whether people do or don't do, hey, your project that God gave you, it don't mean it will of God because people don't follow you. Is anybody listening? Is anybody listening? Amen. Matter of fact, when, when God called me to quit my job with the government and leave, I'm going to tell you what, there were some people, even in my family, didn't understand. You're going to starve to death. I tell you, I hadn't starved. Amen and amen. I don't want to get into that, but I just mentioned this in passing. I, I was 67, 68 years old, and God told me, told me to start a home for, I mean, God told me, I mean, it was like audibly. It wasn't audible, it was, it was louder than that. God told me, told me to start a home for drug addicts, and I'm 68 years old. 
And, and our church is debt free and everything's paid for. And he said, start a men's home. A drug addict said, getting out of jail and sleeping on the street. Start a project. And I remember I went to the church and I told the church, God told us to start a home. Amen. And I said, the first thing we got to do is we got to buy 26 acres of land. And that's going to cost a bunch of money. And then we got to put a big building on it. That's going to cost a bunch of money. And I, 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 it's, it's evident only they, could, they trusted me. I don't think God told them to start a home. But God told me, could I tell you it's finished? Could I tell you it's paid for? I'm talking about an over a million dollar project in a little country. Hey, a building bigger, a building bigger than the town. Amen. It's paid for. I want to say that again. It's paid for. I want to say it again. It's paid for. I ain't excited about the building. I'm excited about it paid for. Somebody help me. Forget the building. Hallelujah. I just found out God can. Amen. Hey, when I presented that to about 40 or so men in our church, I, I mean, they, just, they didn't know they all jump up and say, whoa, glory. No, they didn't do that. Are y'all listening? But Brother Jeff worked out a system and said, this is how we're going to do it. And when they saw that, amen, they said, let's go for it. Praise God. I hope that don't come off as being braggadocious. I'm not trying to come up here and brag. Who, what would I brag in all this facility? Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? The cross was the will of God. Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. And they said, hey, hey, Peter said, that's not so, Lord. Can you, the Bible said that he rebuked Jesus. Read it in your King James Bible. And Peter rebuked Jesus. Well, Lord have mercy. Should I have any problem when somebody rebukes me? And if anybody knew Jesus, it was Peter. He done seen him do a whole, whole kind of miracles. Somebody help me. My people had never seen me raise nobody from the dead. Somebody help me. Amen, amen. Here's my point, here's my point. Their lack of dedication did not mean his project wasn't the will of God. Thank God he went to Calvary. His project was the will of God. Can I tell you how I know that? You're here tonight. We're sitting, hey, feasting on the manna from above because he fulfilled his project. Amen and amen. Hey, man, number six, number six. Their lack of dedication was not a reflection. Look at this now. Their lack of dedication was not a reflection of poor leadership. Are y'all listening to me? Jesus led Peter. Peter what? He swore, he slept, and he cussed. And he used his sword. He denied the Lord. Jesus led Judas. He was a devil. Jesus led, Jesus led Thomas. He was a doubter. He had 12. One was a denier, one was a devil, and one was a doubter. And he didn't have a 12. How many you got? Amen. I heard 12. Hey, a quarter of them was backed up on God. And yet Jesus went on with his project. Somebody help me, man. Amen. Amen. Hey, I know, hey, listen to me. Just because, just because your leadership, uh, people don't follow your leadership, hey, doesn't reflect that you're a poor leader. I know Brother Randy said it and I agree with it, but I am going to say something. Here's what we say, everything fall, fall, rises and falls on leadership. I understand that. I believe that. But I'm going to tell you what, sometimes your leadership don't bring people along. And you're in the will of God. I said that to say this. I know good men. 
I preach for I believe in some of the, I don't know why I get to do that, how I get to do that. I preach, I, I believe I preach for some of the best men and preachers in the country. For some of them, their children ain't in church. Does that mean they're not a good leader? I beg to differ with you. I'm reminded God had one son named Adam and put him in a perfect environment. He messed up. All you can do is lead them. I can't make anybody do anything. You can't make anybody do anything. Are y'all listening? Hey, just because your children didn't turn out right don't necessarily mean you was a bad parent. I'm gonna tell you what the devil will do. The devil will beat you up on that. When you've done all you can do and all others can do, I'll tell you, if your children turn out right, I wouldn't write a book on it. I'd just lift my hands and say, he's a great God. I'm not a great daddy. Somebody help me. Amen. Jesus, the very son of God, led 12. And there were devils and deniers and cussers. Save people. Amen and amen. Amen. By the way, by the way, if I do fail, you ought to go on anyway. Are you listening? My pastor, everything I'm preaching to you tonight, everything I'm preaching to you tonight, all my convictions, all my stands, my pastor taught me this. And he died about four months ago on his third wife. Left his wife. Left the, no, didn't leave the ministry. Left his wife and kept on preaching. And everything I know tonight, he taught me. And then he reneged on it. Can I tell you what? I didn't get my convictions. I got my convictions from God. Young people, get, get this now. Thank God, follow your pastor. But I'm going to tell you, you better get them convictions settled in your own heart. Amen, amen and amen. Because I'm going to tell you what, if the pastor, and so many do that, when the pastor goes, they go, no, hey, get them from God. And when the pastor leaves, you'll still be living for God. Somebody help me, amen. Amen. I wish I was a better pastor. I wish I was a better parent. Amen. But I'm going to tell you what, sometimes that's not a reflection, hey, of your poor leadership because they didn't turn out right. Amen. I'm through. Last point. Their lack of dedication did not cause him to lose confidence in them that they would be profitable. They would be profitable for the future. He didn't lose confidence that they could not be used in the future. Get this now. Look, look, look back at our text. Now look back at our text and I'm through. Look back at our text. Look in chapter 14, verse 12. The Bible said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, these same disciples, Peter, James, John, all the same, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Hey, here's what he said. He said, right now, Peter, you are denying me. You're going to deny me. But I got good news for you, Peter. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. I, I put this down. No, sometimes you got to fail in order to get right. I don't think you ought to fail. I don't think I ought to fail. But failure can teach you some lessons that sometimes you can't learn no other way. Woo, glory. Amen and Amen. Hey, Peter, the Bible said, Peter preached. Hey, after this, after he said this right here, Lord, I'll go. And he didn't, and he denied him, and he cussed. Hey, then he preached and acted, and 3,000 got saved, and 5,000 got saved. And hey, he was on a boat. Now he's a bishop, and now he's writing the Bible. He can, not only did he come back, but he went beyond what he was. 
I got news for you tonight. Maybe you failed. Maybe you've fallen short. God can bring you back and restore you and take your father. Yeah, man. I preached one. I preached not long ago with our church. I got to quit preaching. I got, hey, I preached at our church not long ago. I studied. I played that. I know y'all don't believe I played basketball, but I did. I don't tell you how good our team was. I was the captain. Five foot six. And I was the captain of the team. So that tells you what we got. And I pre I, I got my I got to studying on basketball and I learned some things I didn't know. You know one of the men people in basketball is the rebounder. He don't score a lot of points, but if he don't get the rebound, they don't get to score the points. And you know what I found about a rebounder? Here's what a rebounder does. He bends his knees and he gets his hands in the air. Somebody him. A rebounder don't stand there when the ball is shot. No, he gets, and he's got his hand. I want to tell you how you can be a good rebounder. Get on your knees and stick your hands in there. Hey, Lord, I ain't got that much faith. Hey, Peter, Peter, 3,000, 5,000. Then he quit counting. This is after he said, I don't know him. I don't know him. Then he cussed. Amen. John Mark, John Mark said, bring John Mark back, he's profitable. Paul said, bring John Mark, he's profitable. That's after they had a blowout over it. Him and, his, him and one of his best friends, y'all know that story. Hey, he's been preached on hundreds of times. Hey, one of his best friends, Paul is, one of his best friends, Barnabas, one of his best friends walked out on him and he said what? Bring it back, he's profitable. No matter, he's talking about people that, that in position that fail, bring them back. He's profitable. Are y'all listening? You know what? When every time I read my Bible, Jacob got right. Somebody mentioned Jacob. If Jacob get, get right, there's nobody in the room that can't get right. A con man, a deceiver, a trickster, a, 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 a low life, and yet he got right. So right, they changed his name. Somebody help me. Anybody listening? Do you know the prodigal did come home? The prodigal come home. Down there in the hog pen. He he come home and his daddy said, hey, get a ring, get a robe, get some Reeboks. We're going to Ryan's, amen. I'm trying to tell you that they can get right, amen. That boy wasn't looking for sausage, I'll tell you that. Anybody listening? I'm through. Years ago, I only say this to give an illustration. Years ago when I was pastoring our church, the man that started the church with me, the family that started the church with me, built all of our buildings. What, we got several buildings, a church building, a fellowship hall, a Sunday school room, prayer building. He, in, in other words, he, he built all the buildings on our property or, or led in that and actually did most of the building on some of them. He, he fell out with me, got mad at me. Shook my hand one day at the back door on Sunday. I'm talking about had blood in his eyes. And I'm going to tell you what, that man left our church and went to a charismatic church. All the preaching, all he heard, got saved under our ministry, got saved under me preaching. Walked out and left me and took his family. I tell you, my heart broke. My, I can't, you preachers know what I'm talking about. I mean, I thought I wasn't going to recover. And so we rocked on and kept on preaching, kept on preaching, kept on preaching. And finally God cleaned his clock and burned his house. And he come back and said, Preacher, I'm sorry. I did wrong. Would y'all take me back? I said, well, by all means, we'd take you back. Could I give you this? Could I give you this? 
he came back and his son became my son-in-law. He came back and his grandchildren became my grandchildren. He came back and his great-grandchildren became my great-grandchildren. He came back and he had another son and his other son had a son and that son's fixing to marry my granddaughter. He had another son and that son, amen, married his wife and she's our organist and she's our church secretary and they have children and they have grandchildren and all of them is in my family. Is anybody listening? Well, I was sitting in the car today thinking about that and trying to add it up and I think it's more than this. I said, had he not come back, that would probably been about 30, 35 people out of our church. All of them in key positions. Boy, I'm sure glad he got right. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Mayfield, it looked like he was never going to come back. But I'm going to tell you what, here's what I found out. There's hope. I got a friend of mine called Travis Howard, lives up in North Carolina. He sends me texts all the time. And this is his verse. I think it's over there. Colossians chapter one, I believe it is. There is hope. And Travis always closes out his text. There's hope, preacher. And I write back and I say, I hope so. <laughs> Are y'all listening? Hey, here's what I'm saying. In leadership, hey, don't give, ever give up on those that leave you. God can do a work that you would never think he could do to bring them back. And maybe there's somebody here tonight in the crowd. Maybe you've got away from God and you say, man, they don't want me back. Oh, we want you back. We want you to come back. That's what we preach about. We want you to know we still love you. We still care about you. I'm not Jesus, but God puts that in the heart of us. When the church is running them down, the pastor really don't want to talk about it because he still has a love for them. Is anybody listening? Hey, no matter how far you, no matter how far you strayed, God can always bring you back and take you back. Amen. Let's stand. Let's pray. Pastor, you come.